You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, we're live. Hi, people. How are you doing? Welcome to um, episode 89 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. My name is Matt Phillips, um, creative one chat live and also host of this, the Sports Therapy Association podcast, which goes out live every Tuesday at eight o'clock on YouTube, exclusively YouTube now, far better, more upmarket than that kind of like um, riffraff of Facebook. This is where we set the scene. Um, but if you can't join us live, then you can download us a podcast every week. And if you do, then do, as always, please leave a rating. Um, so we are reaching the finale now, the conclusion of our month of focus on women's health. And we've had a fantastic three weeks and things can only get better, he said nervously, as I bring on um, two fantastic educators in women's health. Um, it was going to be three. Sadly, one of them um, can't be with us. We'll talk about it a little bit in a second. But Gronia Donnelly and uh, Emma Brockwell are going to be with us very shortly um, to end this uh, month's focus on women's health with a look at the athletic female. But before we do that, let's just say thank you last week to uh, Matt Scarsbrook and the woman he brought with him. No, we've got to stop saying that. I don't think it had the right effect. The idea of us calling Katie the woman was it was to highlight the fact, obviously, it was ironic. It was it was a way of showing that not all women's health is about the same thing because not all women are just one type of woman that I didn't think it come. I don't think it came across as that, but that was the idea. But thank you for the emails. It was thoughtful and educational to look through them. Um, if you are joining us live, by the way, then do um, leave comments and Cochrane has just left a little comment and I can bring it up on the screen. This is the advantage of joining us live that you can talk with each other. You can network with other soft tissue therapists. You can also ask questions directly to the guests. So, Hey, Anne, thanks for joining us. Um, Georgina James Staff. Good evening, Georgina. Thanks a lot for coming along to YouTube. Sabrina Monaghan as well. Nice to see you back again. Thanks for coming to join us. Um, and yeah, if you listen to the podcast, then Tuesdays, eight o'clock UK time. If you want to come along and join, it's a fantastic way. You don't have to be a member of the STA, but it gives you a little chance to see what the STA is all about, the Sports Therapy Association. And it's great networking, especially now we're coming out of COVID and people still aren't quite sure. Do I have to do this? Do I have to wear that? Am I allowed to do that? It's a great place to meet people. If you're in the UK, maybe even in your area and have little meetups and things like that. Anyway, um, but before last week, just to give you reminders, we are ending the focus on women's health. We had uh, Jenny Bowell here was two weeks ago talking about uh, menopause transition. Again, a fantastic educator in the industry and some real eye openers about things we can miss um, when we are treating um Anybody from athletes to recreational athletes to non-athletes when they come in with symptoms. Jenny particularly talked about tendinopathies and the whole issue of the relationship between inflammation and menopause and how we can miss things if we don't stop and think and ask the person in front of us the right question. Um, available on YouTube if you'd like to watch the video or obviously you can download the podcast. Just saying good evening to Stephen Barr. Um, good people. Hello. I don't know what that means, but hi, Steve. Thanks very much for joining us again. Um, and before Jenny, we opened up this month with um, Dr. Fiona Higgs and Deborah Thurlow Rowley, um, who joined us. Um, they're starting their own thing, which I think should be out now already. 22nd of February. No, I think it comes out on the 28th. I'm probably wrong with that. But they've got WIST going on, which is Women in Sports Therapy. A fantastic project with two great. Thank you for that little mm from the lobby. I just heard. I think that was Emma. Um, but yeah, Deborah and Dr. Fiona Higgs. Um, Deborah Thurlow Rowley. Uh, fantastic. Really nice people. You might have seen if you came along to Therapy Live. 
no therapy expo I, I mixed the two up they're both so huge now these days therapy expo where deborah spoke and fiona was around um magnificent people magnificent educators and they've got their own thing going on addressing not just the kind of physiological stuff with women's health but just everything which affects a female therapist and indeed any therapist um, should need to know uh, regards to the gender so i think they kick off on the 28th um, i think that's right but uh, forgive me if i'm wrong if you do want to hear about that then um, just go along to your podcast app and download it um, and it is part one of our focus on women's health Right then, people are still flocking in. Leslie Campbell. Thank you, Leslie. Where are we? It's 8.08 and somebody's finally said happy birthday. Do you know what? Before I bring these guests up, actually, no, they can hear me. Not one. Not one happy birthday. Women's health. You know, women's health. If, if I was a woman, I don't want to say it. would be, oh, happy birthday. How are you? You look so well. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, for the sake of people listening to the podcast, I won't fret or put any more faces. But anyway, thank you, Leslie. It's really nice of you to say happy birthday to me so promptly as soon as you entered. And um, we'll put that away for now. Right. Now they're feeling uh, hot and bothered. I'll bring them up um, in no particular order. And we'll welcome to the podcast Emma Brockwell and Gronje Donnelly. There's Emma. And there's happy Gronier. birthday. Oh, thank you. Could you hear me in the lobby? Or Happy birthday, sure? Emma. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're saving it, weren't you, until we were live. Thanks very much. Yeah. Nice to see you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here and we love the Women's Health Focus. Thank you very much. It's great. Very well, exciting. It... A whole month of it, Matt. Yeah, well, this is what this is. This was the idea. With how can I? How many times can I say this? This is the. It's going to be a long night. I'm sorry for listening to the podcast. I might have to edit this. This was the idea because imagine if we just. I mean, in the past, both of you have been guests, whether it's on One Chat Live or on the Sports Association podcast, and you give us such quality information from the field and the experience you're working in. And then the week after, we go into something like Achilles tendinopathy, and although there might be links, it's like it's too much of a shift change. So yeah. I decided that we'd spend a whole month concentrating on particular topics because then the kind of shelf life's longer it makes people start talking about it and people can go oh no listen to it now there's four parts of it so so yeah it's worked out pretty well so far the feedback has been great um, it's awesome and like if you think this time even a year ago although you were at the forefront of getting women's health messages out there you wouldn't have thought about doing a month of it would you no no, no, no. Exactly. And that's exactly. how far we've come. Exactly. It's interesting. It's, yeah. I'm just trying to think of some length. Like I'm forcing you into this little. No, all I had, I've still got Matt Scar's book and Katie in my head of all the puns and things we were doing last week. With I'm trying to think, all I've got in my head is we're doing it every month. I'm thinking cycle. I'm thinking there's a link there somewhere. But yes, it is. We are doing it every month regularly. Um, and people can check in. And it's going to be regular. They can even have a little app to tell a little reminder when when then when it's when we're due. So there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Um, but we have met before, obviously, and that kind of brings me to my first question, um, which also introduces you two to people who aren't aware of the work you've done. You guys kind of hit the headlights or the headlines back in March <laughs> 2019. Well, that's when I first came across you um, with the release of your revolutionary paper, um, along with Tom Goom, um, for. Uh, return to running guidelines post-pregnancy yeah and I think I spoke to both of you um either on one probably on one chat live um and does it seem that long ago how long are we talking then it's actually about three years to practically the month isn't it feels like the time has flown and like literally doesn't feel that long since we were doing all that work and yet so much has happened it when, when you look back you're like we've done so much in between too but that connection with Tom was really, really 
yeah, it was really good. It really helped us connect and start this conversation across those traditional silos because it was always a case of pelvic health physios deal with anything to do with female health and women's health and MSK physios or other rehabilitation or professionals deal with everything else. And there wasn't really that communication. So it really connected the two and highlighted that pelvic health is actually just musculoskeletal and sports physiotherapy, but for a specific region. Mm. It kind of feels in some ways it's gone really fast, but also so much, it's, it, you know, everything's happened so quickly because we obviously did the, created the guidelines. And then from that, it's just blown up, not just in our world where um, Gronje has led on just like an exceptional amount of research. I mean, this girl is ridiculous um, and I've been really lucky to be a part of it, but, but it is quite exceptional how many papers Gronje has pumped out around this subject, but not just in, in that sense, but how much interest has grown in this past three years since 2019 and I I don't know if it is because of the return to run guidelines I don't know if it's partly because of social media as well and the interest um, and the voice that women now have that they're not accepting that they're having uh, pelvic floor dysfunction during and after pregnancy predominantly uh, obviously expands beyond those times in our lives um, but it's just been exponential the growth in this this uh, area and it's really exciting and we're really delighted to have been a small part of that so yeah it's really exciting I don't think it was obviously I love I pick my guests probably not purposely because they're so modest and you go we played a little small part I don't think before that paper which you guys released there was any chitter chatter at all on Twitter or anything you wouldn't there was no hashtag women's health there was no hashtag anything to do with that so I think you guys uh, need to recognize that you did I think open the door up and got people talking more and more and more about it and including men's pelvic health as well because that's now taken a turn and we've got some fantastic physiotherapists like bill taylor who are kind of um being able to being asked to talk about it more which is great you know you look at the number of, i'd be interesting you look at the number of podcasts now about women's health compared to three years ago and i reckon there's probably a huge huge difference yeah. There's a particularly good um, podcast on women's health called At Your Service. Um, it's also got the best name I could imagine. Yeah, for we can't for, take for that. That. No, who did come I up with it? I can't remember who came up was with it. it. Um, it was Rob Bevan, I think. He had suggested it, and then Jack Chu basically took it for it. And we were just like, you know what? That's exactly it because. It is that idea, like, you know, regularly me and Emma are like, Emma and Bronya, at your cervix, you know. Your cervix. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. No, it really was. I remember when I heard that for the first time, it was like, that is just classic. That is just, <laughs> how's that going? You've, have you seen the viewers are coming up, number of people tuning in, listening and raising awareness? Getting loads of buzz and getting loads of messages from people and tags and things. So we're really seeing it as a useful resource for both the public. So we've got the women themselves and men listen to it and then we have um, health and fitness professionals using it so we pitch to both and that's the beauty of it um, because it it everyone has something to take away from it so I know even in my clinical practice it becomes nearly a library of resources for me when I'm seeing people and there's a relevant podcast I'm like go away and listen to this mm. in between now and the next session as well and um, it's, it's really really useful so uh, and it's taken Emma and I on a journey like what you're doing where you get to talk to fantastic people about fantastic things I'm just typing out now that at your service podcast, just in case people are listening to the um, podcast or people are tuning in, 
Um, whilst we're, while I'm typing that out, trying to do it, obviously I was trying to do it and you stopped talking, but... Oh, multitasking, though, Matt. I like it. Um, uh, after the day I've had. Um, <laughs> do you find that, because you discovered a huge void, there was no official guidelines, incredibly, even though mm. running research has been kind of building up more and more and more since the 80s. It's incredible, really. But then again, we talked about that last week, um, where the research is... I'd be interested to hear actually your views on this research is still pretty horrifically done by men for men and the number of females in studies and things. Is that getting a bit better? Is it kind of um, changing since you've managed to release that paper, more women getting involved now in the research side of things? Definitely getting better, but it's a really, like I was going to say, the more I dip toes in research, the more I appreciate how hard it actually is to carry out certain studies and ask certain questions and get the answers you want because women are wonderfully complex human beings and we can't often control for a lot of the factors that may also impact a given question at a time so it's it's really really difficult but there's definitely more um research about them and there's definitely more studies getting through ethics to include pregnant postpartum women because that was always an issue as well it was seen it seemed unethical to carry out certain research studies on these women and so it's an exciting time because it needs to happen yeah, but I think as well, I think there's more funding behind it now because there's that push and that drive. And because I guess because some of the, the sports have gone professional as well, that that helps. Although when I then talk to some athletes, they still think there's a huge um, lack of funding um, in their in their basic care, especially around the perinatal period. Um so I think I think we're making huge advances, but I think that we've got such such a long way to go. Um, but the research is definitely well. I mean, look how much has been pumped out from from Gronya's team. You know, it's it's there's Gronya's a lot team. of it. You're the team, Emma. <laughs> team team. I, know, I think, I think it makes I think it makes us sound more um, important if we put say Gronya's definitely, team. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, the team. But you know what's really interesting, Emma, to, on your point there. Um, we were actually recording a panel discussion for the Athletic Female last night with some sports and exercise medicine physicians who support female teams. And one of the key differences they highlighted was that even the women who are into are playing professional or elite sports, oftentimes they're only like semi-professional um, mm. or amateur because yeah. the provisions aren't there. They're not getting a wage good enough to keep them, to let them enter full-time, whereas the male sports are getting full-time salaries they can just the one thing they can concentrate and dedicate their life on is their sport whereas women are still maybe holding down a job trying to be an elite athlete and potentially having a family and it's mad yeah no it's crazy stuff but it like you say it's slowly but at least it's heading in the right direction i like i think it's let's be positive tonight it's moving in the right direction even though it's very um, small steps so kind of which brings us nicely onto the course that you've been putting together probably since not long after you released the paper, really, when you started uncovering the lack of information out there, the athletic female, which is starting in a week, am I right? Monday the 28th, yeah. Monday the 28th, there we mm -hmm. go. Um, so, I mean, it's a massive subject, obviously. It's a huge topic you've taken on there. How have you managed to divide it up? I mean, it is, isn't it? How have you managed to divide it up into a course? Well, and talk to me a little bit about missing. how you decided how to split it up. I'll be interested in the process of what do you put in this? How do you do this? 
We actually, it's, we're missing our partner in crime tonight, uh, Dr. Helen McElroy. So she was supposed to be here tonight, and unfortunately, she's at home with um, looking after kids, and there's some sickness in the house. So um, we are missing her, but um, proud to be in this team with her. And I guess it was something that Em and I have always talked about since we started working on the return to running guidelines. And equally, Helen's not doesn't or works quite near to me, and she's a sports physician or sports sports physiotherapist. So we've always had the conversations about how there's no communication between sectors in sports medicine. They're not learning about pelvic health, and it's nearly skipped over. And we just decided time was time, and we've got the connections and the skills to bring this together. And we decided to just do it, and we took the areas that we felt we had expertise in and we then approached experts out there who are researching or are um, leading the way in certain topics and we have um, got them on board so it's a really really exciting time I'm, I'm learning loads from the course because mm. I'm learning from all the experts on it it's just it's really really good it's yeah. quite a big group now isn't it I watch it and dip in there and have a look and there's people still joining I think and there is. There's a few more big names to come as well. Oh, well Michelle, are we allowed Stay to say that at the end of the right. show? Or stick around on the show yeah. and you'll hear the latest person to yeah. join, the athletic female. Yeah, can't wait. We'll release that at the end of the show. Probably, probably so. the um, but yeah, it's been an amazingly huge learning curve. Um, it's taken a lot longer than we thought as well, as all these things always do. Um, but we've actually decided to split it into modules. So they actually, the first module that's released on the 28th of Feb is about the elite female athlete. Um, and it really covers a massively broad spectrum of all the topics that you should be considering as any healthcare or fitness professional when you are working with this population of women. And then what we'll do as the months go on is we'll add modules to that. So our next module, this is brand new news for you, <laughs> just for you, Matt, is, per is the peri I know, perinatal population. Um, so that will be out later this year. But for now, we're focusing on the elite female athletes. So Helen's really led on this because that's her her baby if you like and um and we've been really lucky to sort of sprinkle sprinkle bits in around pelvic health and areas that are interesting to us and approach uh experts to really delve deeper into the various topics for example breast health before we go into the actual details of the course which i want to pick your brains on a few of the topics which our listeners will be familiar with thanks to the other weeks we've done um who is the course designed for Who's going to benefit from it? Yeah, well, it's really any health or fitness professional who is in contact with supporting and serving women. While it's the athletic female, it's really appropriate for any females who are physically active. It's not specific to only high-performance females. It will cover content relative, relevant to that, but it's also applicable to someone who supports any woman who's looking to maintain physical activity and I think that really falls into quite a huge population of health fitness professionals and it's a public health priority to keep people active. So we're really excited and we really think that this should be a staple part of learning because there's so much content in it that we realised even by having some of the experts involved as they started to then take a bit of a nose around who else is involved and who's here, they'd be like, oh, I've I've never really thought about that topic. You know, you're starting to see people delve out of their lanes a wee bit in terms of what they look at now everyone works within their own scope of practice but knowledge is power 
And understanding and being able to pick up on things in order to signpost is a huge benefit to the women we serve. Okay, let's delve a little bit in to some of the content. Um, do, 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 do. I could ask you, I'll get straight in there. I mean, one of the topics, obviously, and, and I'll be interested to hear, everyone thinks of menstruation, don't they? And it is a massive topic and it is part of, obviously, being a woman. But it's a topic which, um, are there still some myths and misconceptions and problems and blind kind of alleys that therapists can go down um, and questions that maybe are still avoided in your experience? I'd question are the questions even asked around the menstrual cycle for stop actually um, and that's understandable I think it's really hard we've had this discussion before when you're you know you're a male therapist sometimes it feels awkward asking these questions but it's relevant to ask these questions because your menstrual cycle can have such an impact on your health your quality of life and if we're thinking about sports your performance as well so there really are pertinent questions that we should be asking as therapists and coaches that I don't think are being asked um, broadly enough um, or screened for at all. Um, I think we gloss over a lot of these women's health issues because, or, because they're taboo and because we're nervous of asking the question for fear of embarrassing people or, or the woman being asked. But actually, if you ask women about their menstrual cycle, they'll probably actually feel quite relieved that you've opened up this, this opportunity for them to talk about it. And that is what's so important as a therapist is you are at the front line. You're the person that can really open this conversation up to any concerns that they might have. You don't have to know the answers to any concerns they have, but it's nice to know who to signpost to if they do have any presentations or concerns that should be highlighted to other healthcare professionals. So I, so I think, I think we need to get better at asking the questions, let alone what even the questions might be. Great answer. What do you base your hypothesis that the questions aren't still aren't being asked? Is it because you can see what's on the syllabus of various training programs or you've looked into kind of, or do you just, even from asking the experts that we've been dealing with and from the sports medicine team, so the team supporting elite performance sports are telling us that oftentimes the questions aren't asked or that um, data isn't being collected or oftentimes the women and the athletes themselves are not being educated to the importance of knowing their own cycle and tuning into that and maybe downloading an app tracker so that you can keep an eye on it because as uh, Michelle Lyons, who's an Irish physiotherapist as well, she recorded a podcast with us on this, and it, she talks about the menstrual cycle being like our fifth vital sign, um, mm -hmm. our sixth vital sign, and she, um, I think that's a really, really useful way of looking at it because, you know, one of the other topics we cover in the course is relative energy deficiency in sport, and this is often something associated with the menstrual cycle. So oftentimes women start to get sporadic cycles or maybe absence of cycle when they enter an energy deficiency, and that's just because the body's diverting energy to more vital processes at that time, so it shuts off reproduction. But other examples, like we have actual case examples of elite athletes. So Tiana Madison, who's a United States Olympic former champion, um, she shares her story about the actual long road to getting answers that she experienced because she was telling um, her support team about her ridiculously heavy periods, how it was stopping her being able to train. She just had no um, get up and go. She was very sore. And then she obviously became anemic. 
But nothing was ever picked up. She was a nulliparous athlete. It was probably considered that gynae issues were not her concern. And she wasn't falling into the usual telltale signs of red S because she was having a cycle. So it was almost missed for so long until she ended up having an ankle injury and was in for proper tests and then started to divulge a little bit more information and she got diagnosed with a fibroid, which was actually very, very large and she almost needed a hysterectomy. So, you know, huge repercussions may have finished her performance career if it had not have been picked up and may have also implicated her reproductive future had it not been picked up when it was. So this to me was baffling that she had reported it several times for a long period of time and it just was never picked up. Incredible. I wonder whether mm. it's more, not to go off the track too much, but I wonder whether it's more prevalent the more elite athletes get because there's other concerns, there's financial considerations and there's the kind of that pressure, isn't there, to train as much as you can. Um, but I'm interested, people who are listening, well, people in the house, my little echo chamber here. Hi, Leslie Campbell. Thanks for joining us. And Brian Huxley, by the way. Um, these guys are all perfect. I mean, I'm, I, I can imagine in my mind their medical park here and these questions. I mean, they probably take an hour talking about everything. Um, but for people listening to the podcast, are thinking, well, what am I supposed to ask them? clients who come in particularly like maybe kind of um, undergraduates whether it's sports massage or sports therapy what are some of the questions you think that are being missed which they could start by getting the ball rolling to open up this discussion around the menstrual cycle do you mm. mean yeah um i th i think I'll ask if their cycle's regular or you know how what 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 their cycle uh, pattern is like because obviously regular varies between the individual it's not a set 28 day cycle um if they experience any pain or um feeling of um, feeling unwell or um fatigue when they're experiencing their 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 periods is their period really heavy are there clots all of these things are abnormal presentations with your menstrual cycle that if signposted to your even to your gp can be can be managed effectively the reality is they're just not being picked up so just screening the basics like that i think is is really pertinent would you add anything else for now yeah, I no, absolutely agree with you. And I do think that even just highlighting to women about the free trackers, because by memory, our recall bias is pretty poor. So you really need to actually have it collected there to look back month to month to know, okay, my cycle is X amount of days long on average. So then you start to know if there's a deviation. But like she said, I can see even from Leslie Campbell's um, comment that she noticed the change um, even in her breathing and her lower limbs. Thanks for that up. And I think this is really important because some women will have cyclical patterns in other symptoms that are related to their menstrual cycle and menstrual health. So some women may only leak in the week before or the week of their cycle, but the rest of the, the month it's fine. So it's really easy to bury those symptoms and think they're not there permanently, I'm okay. But it's a warning sign or it's an indication that something's going on there and it's probably something that could be really easily managed if um, their cycle's looked into and they get whatever management they need. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if we're thinking of apps that you could suggest to your clients, um, maybe the Clue app or uh, Fitter Woman, that they're two great apps where you can track your cycle, as in when you're when you're um, ovulating, when you're when you're bleeding, but also you can track the symptom related to your cycle as well. So there's a plethora of symptoms that you can just tick the boxes from. And actually going in with data to your healthcare professional or medical professional is really, really helpful. So as Gwanya says, it's 
it's that recall. Oh, I think I have my period around about the 28th of February. Um, but actually having that there in a, in a, in a nice, uh, format on the app is really, really helpful. Um, it's just power, isn't it? More power to sort of have someone do something about the symptoms you're not happy with. So those two apps are definitely a download and I think they're both free. I think. Since one of the things that has come for me personally as an educator, I'm still teaching level three and level four sports massage therapists. And one of the things that I've kind of been championing, thanks to the guests like yourself that I've talked to, is is the responsibility or the pleasure we've got now, particularly massage therapists, of being that link which can refer people on. Because in so many of these cases, they will go to the massage therapist, first of all, thinking my back hurts. So I just feel like really tired. A massage is what I need. Maybe particularly female population, maybe more than men. I'm just guessing that. But it's just that time away from everything. Just lie down and just be pampered. Maybe you want something a little bit more sports related if you play sports. And that that provides a massive chance for massage therapists who ultimately, I keep saying, are in the job because they want to help people. They're not in it for the money at all. They're in it because they want to feel they're making a difference when it comes to healthcare. And if you can ask the right questions mm-hmm. and then have that network, we can just have the confidence to say, you know what? I know I see a lot of female patients, obviously, and it's amazing how many feel that, for example, heavy menstruation is is normal or really painful. And you know what? I've it's actually not. And I recommend that you should maybe have book a checkup with a GP or something or contact this person. And like you say, you could be changing the next maybe the rest of their life. Like some of the things you've mentioned gone here with regards to fertility and things like that. And and if you don't say anything, they'll just continue maybe hopping from therapist to therapist because you're not ending their real severe problems which they haven't really talked to you about and there we go 10 years misdiagnosis or something like we've talked before of endometriosis and hypermobility yeah. and all these sort of things so yeah if you listen to the podcast it's, it's exciting and i make sure now because it's not on any syllabus the syllabus for massage yeah. therapists is do you kind of these are different manual techniques and and do this and do that but there's not any guidelines on acting as that link of make sure you ask these questions and if they say that yes i am having pain during sex or something, then I need to tell them when you should, you know, and, and teaching people how to have the confidence mm-hmm. to pass that on. It's a massive thing. And it's quite exciting. I think for sports. I think it's really purpose. exciting. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what we've tried to provide within the athletic female are um, infographics. So we're hoping that people will feel comfortable to print them off, you know, in their clinics, put them up on the wall so that that then can encourage women just to look and say, Oh my goodness, that's actually, that's the symptom I'm having. I'm going to mention that to my therapist when I see them, um, but also screening tools as well. So, you know, we've, we've provided that as part of the package, if you like, so that it encourages you to really ask the right questions and feel confident that by asking those questions, you're going to be signposting them to the right clinicians that are going to, that are going to help women. And I work with an amazing massage therapist in, um, in the clinic that I started working in recently. I'm going to plug it, Butler Physiotherapy. <laughs> and um and jenna's amazing and she's getting better and better at asking the questions having the confidence to ask these questions signposting into me and then you just get this really lovely multidisciplinary collaborative approach to this lady's care she only came in for sports well what she felt was a sports massage but she's getting that holistic um approach to her care and that's that's magic that's that is potentially life-changing and really exciting I think, though, to touch on what Matt said as well, it's the idea that massage therapists have that time and build up that rapport and that relationship with a client that 
it's a safe zone almost to have these sort of discussions because when you go for a 10 minute consult to another healthcare professional, it can be very hard to get those words out to describe these symptoms that are often quite personal and embarrassing to mention. So I always think that anyone who spends an amount of time with people in the context of health and wellbeing is a huge, huge position for picking up this information and as say signposting, but also giving basic public health advice and providing advice that could be all the difference that they need. You know, I often talk mm. about even telling women who are um, having any difficulty with emptying their bowels, they have a feeling that there's more, it's not constipation, telling them to use a footstool could be all they need to do to sort out something so simple. And that's within anyone's remit to to mention that and um, even get educate people on what the health floor is and um, how you find it or engage it. I always think that there's so much that we can be all offering together and working collaboratively with. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the idea of the infographics as well, because I'm, I'm again, I'm conscious for the younger, particularly guys. I mean, it's going to be more embarrassing for guys initially. The idea of having an infographic or something which they could point to or even a leaflet, you know, just to, for this person to read to show that this yeah. person isn't just making it up and set them at ease is a fantastic idea. And like you say, simple advice is, you know, just because the danger is you ask this question and I can appreciate this as a younger therapist. You open this door, kind of Pandora's box or how is your menstrual cycle? And then they start pouring their heart out and you're like, Jesus, well. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, how you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's important, I think. And that's what courses like yours do. They fill the gaps which aren't on ever like that. But you can see, can't you? I mean, we do get, massage therapists will know that you get criers. It happens. If you're inviting people to open up and you're doing the subjective properly and you're saying, like, oh, you're not recovering properly from this and we know that pain is multifactorial and if you are stressing out about something and not solving it then the pain's not going to go away it's it's a sensory input so often if you do poke with these questions yeah, and get yeah. people to open up they'll start crying so we are trained and we're warned about that you know would you like tissue shall i give you some time by yourself so in a way we are trained already to deal with that pouring out of emotion but we just need to know about these conversations you know what advice to give yeah I agree but I think that's where the infographics come in because they also say why we're asking these questions mm. so that if you if you think oh my gosh I don't know really know where else to go with this there's a reasoning behind why we're asking these questions and I think you just have to hold your hands up and say look all I know is that it's an important topic to bring up it could really really improve if we send you to the right person and therefore um you know don't worry about it there's someone that can help you and and that that is gold. That really is gold. And I think probably someone like Tiana, if she'd had that, even that, that, that level of questioning or perhaps that level of empathy, that could have made such a difference to her at an earlier stage. So try not to shy away from it, because I think once you start having these conversations, it gets easier and easier and easier. And, and you know, you can only treat and advise within your remit. That's 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 all you, you're, you're able to do. And that's and that's OK. But try not to shy away from it because I think it's important to have those conversations as Definitely. I said twice now <laughs> sorry Cornier just thought of something here well, Cornier open your mind up I see you there smiling people listen to the podcast Cornier could never play poker she's just sitting there like a Cheshire cat thinking of something I'm just I'm just like no, I'm just, just don't mind me. I'm just enjoying Emma. Okay, just enjoying Emma. That's the next podcast, enjoying Emma. <laughs> so, um, right, let's get into the content of the course then. So we've gone through menstrual cycle. Let's take it a little bit. Well, let's talk about, because I saw on 
talking about moving on from that, uh, teenage female athletes, let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the misconceptions or myths that sports therapists might not be taking into consideration when a teenage female athlete, which happens quite a lot. Parents do love taking their female athlete to a sports therapist thinking they need a massage or, and then you listen to what they're doing and the amount of their training and, and, and the female athlete is like going, yeah, I'm fine. No, it doesn't hurt at all when I'm running around the track. Everything's fine. You can see they just want mum and dad or whoever's looking after them to leave the room so they can actually open up. Oh. You know, it happens a lot for sports therapists, especially when their kid's showing, you know, kid, that's a horrible term, when the young adult is showing promise um, and talent. So, yeah, what are some other things we need to take into consideration with particularly female teenage athletes? I think that this is the population, you know, it's it's common. We've talked, mentioned relative energy deficiency in sport already, but we really need to be mindful of this population because oftentimes they really are potentially overtraining. And they're also, it's a really vulnerable point in our life. And that transition towards adulthood is, things are changing. It's hard to get your head around. And females become very body conscious. And I think it's a time when we do, or we are at risk of, I suppose, trying to, you know, it depend on the type of sport that that female is involved in too, trying to fit into certain ideal aesthetics and things. So we have to be very aware of, are they fueling their body for the demands of the training and sport that they're trying to do? Do they understand the importance of that? Mm-hmm. Are they tracking their cycle? You know, we need to be starting and educating early on. And even if they are not showing signs of anything like overtraining, it's educating them that, then at that point to go, um, do you know what's really important, you know, from a young age, as soon as you get in your cycles, you should really be tracking them and know your cycle because it tells you so much about your body. If you start to infiltrate that at a younger age and they start to hear it time and time again, it becomes the norm, it becomes established, it becomes public health. Whereas at the minute, it's very much a taboo, it's skirted over. Mm-hmm. And women don't really know what these female health issues are until they are faced with symptoms that are problematic enough for them to actually enter a service about them. And that's years down the line. It's not as soon as they notice the niggle or a change, it's years of suffering and suffering in silence until it becomes bothersome enough and they access. So I think, is it is it seven years then usually in terms of urinary incontinence or is it longer than that? Seven years, isn't it? Any urinary incontinence. Yeah, seven years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's quite a delay. I was going to add. <laughs> go, go for it. Oh, the only thing I'd add is um, pelvic health of these athletes as well, um, because we do see, unfortunately, um, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction occurring in young, nulliparous female athletes, women who haven't had children, obviously teenage, not obviously, but teenage girls who potentially haven't ha- had children. We do see pelvic floor dysfunction occurring. And yet we presume that because they haven't had babies yet, that they wouldn't even nearly have any pelvic floor issues. And, and typically we'll see urinary incontinence being the main um, issue. But I think that's possibly because we have the most evidence around that particular symptom. Um, and women who are partaking in, st- or sorry, younger girls who are partaking in strenuous physical activity are three times more likely to leak urine and unfortunately that symptom is a symptom strong enough to become a barrier to physical exercise it stops girls exercising because they're embarrassed about it you know for a while they might pad up um, wear darker leggings to to mask their symptom but after a while like most musculoskeletal injuries these symptoms get worse Um, and so it gets to the point where they just think oh stuff this I don't want to do the exercise or the sport anymore so we're losing women to pelvic floor dysfunction 
and we don't need to I really strongly believe we don't need to but what we're not doing is educating them at all about their pelvic health which is bonkers you know why aren't we getting this addressing this muscle this really important muscle why aren't we addressing the muscles around it and ensuring that we're doing some strength and conditioning um, to help this muscle cope with the demands that the sport's putting on it so I, I think I think it's imperative that girls are being screened for pelvic floor dysfunction I really do but also the education similar to that and um, accompanying that for breast health because we know that breast um, yeah. support or lack thereof and breast pain is another huge barrier for this age group and it's actually when a lot of girls transition out of being physically active so there's a huge dip in the physical activity levels. The other thing is and which I had never thought about but until we got speaking to some of the experts who are, who are contributing to the course Things um, that are happening in a lot of elite performance sports, depending on the sport, is like uniforms are very dictated. So they may have a certain shape. There may be a racer back, but maybe that woman mm. or female athlete has breasts that demand support that doesn't fit with a racer back. So there's all these things about like there's no variation or choices in a lot of the outfits that they wear in sports, which is mad. A lot of these questions I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, because with with again if the parents have brought the teenage daughters along um for some sports therapy or sports massage therapy then mm. some of these questions i mean they'd have to be chaperoned up to the age of 16 so if we're looking at kind of 13 14 15 which is quite common when you get these these young i mean somebody mentioned dancers could be from lots of sports where the the, the, the female athletes being worked very hard I'm thinking there needs to be some training here because you might be having the confidence to ask these young ladies some questions, which even the mother or the father haven't talked to their children about mm -hmm. because it's been treated mm -hmm. as a taboo. So how does that work? Imagine if you are asked this and, and you can see the tension in the room with, with the parents. I don't know the answer to this, by the way, mm -hmm. you have to come up with some magic. I think that's, I think it's a really good question because um, not not to um, use this as a get out of jail card. I, I don't treat young athletes, so I, I, I th I'm just trying to think how I would approach it. But I think if we're trying to establish a reason for why we're asking this, for example, breast pain, exercise-induced breast pain is the fourth leading reason girls stop exercising. I, I, I think if, if, as a parent myself, if I was asked this question and said, we're asking these questions because we want to make sure that you're performing to the top of your ability and you're comfortable when you're exercising and you're enjoying it. And so some of these questions might feel uncomfortable, but let me tell you what if you are experiencing any of these symptoms they're unfortunately very common but they're not normal and there are people that can help you address these symptoms so i think if you're sandwiching it with a reason for why and also a reason for why it could help you improve then then as a parent with a daughter, that for me would feel comfortable, but I appreciate I'm a pelvic health physio who's very exposed to all of these questions. So perhaps that dulls my sensitivity around this area. I don't know, how else might you think, Gronya, of, of addressing it? Because I appreciate it's difficult. I think even like what you've mentioned already, the infographics we've created touching topics like this here. So you could have that displayed either in a waiting room or toilet. Yeah. A toilet's a really good time when people actually stop and look where they might be afraid to be seen to be looking at a certain poster in a public setting. But it's also, as Em said, I even like the context you give an example of at the beginning, Matt, um, of do you know it's actually really common for women or young girls to experience breast pain or do you know it's really common for girls to drop out of sport and do you know what the, one of the main reasons is? 
it's actually um, how supportive they are in their clothing. Like you can tape around it and be a bit more generic and get a feel for it. But or simply give them information like you know, there's the Treasure Your Chest um, um, information resource in the UK here, created by one of the leading researchers in breast pain and things, um, Dr. Nicky Brown um, and their team. And I think that it's really, really important that you know, even just giving them information or a leaflet or writing it down, let them go look it up and they're going to get information. It's just exposure almost. Yeah, or even if you're, if, I guess if you're seeing, you believe to be seeing them more than once, I wonder if you almost create an information pack full of these infographics, as, as you said, going in the leaflets, and you let them go away with it. Have a look at this, have a think. If there's anything within that that you want to discuss with me or you want some help sign, being signposted to the professional that can help you, then um, I'm here to talk next week. And maybe, maybe, maybe it doesn't all have to happen on that first session of seeing someone. Maybe it's once you've built up a bit of a rapport. I think that's brilliant. No, I mean, and the way I think the answer is the confidence, the way you said, I'm not quite sure what I do. And then bam, you just went into like two minutes of that's exactly (laughs) what someone needs to say. And anybody would feel at ease if you just blueprinted that and gave credit to Emma uh, Emma Bokba. It was perfect. It's having the confidence, isn't it? Um, I think that's the main thing. It is. It is. And it's, you know, uh, it's easy for us because we say, we speak about vaginas, vulvas, (laughs) anuses all day every day but actually there was a point in my career where I felt very awkward about the thought of even looking at another person's vagina um let alone having my own vagina assessed so I'm not trying to just keep saying vagina vagina just to um make a point but it is about desensitization mm-hmm. and breaking down that taboo and it's okay it's just not a part of your body and it's also being able to not hold your own but like you know, if you did find that you entered a conversation and you were getting nearly quite a defensive reaction or someone thinking, oh, she brought up um, this, or like he or she has brought up this topic and that's really out of line. It's, it's being like, oh, well, no, actually, um, this is really important public health um, information and it's really essential that we actually do break down the barriers to young girls and females of all ages accessing this information. And you know, be confident in your scope and remit to provide that public health knowledge. Because if you feel like, oh gosh, I shouldn't have brought this up, it nearly sounds like you have done something wrong. Whereas this is legitimate public health information. It's really good. No, great advice, people. I'm hoping that kind of boost the confidence of people listening to the podcast the infographics are a great idea have something there tangible to say no seriously this is important stuff i know it might sound a bit weird you might not have had it mentioned to you before but you should have done basically because blah 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 and leaflets come out and and in the end they'll be grateful it might be initially a bit of a shock but ultimately everybody wants what's best for the person who the young adult in front of them isn't it so i mean gary benson just reminded me of something else because not only is might this be a conversation that the teenage athlete hasn't had with their parents, but also it might go against what the coach who is probably the center of the life, maybe even more than the parents, if they're training really hard, has not provided them with. Gary makes a point here. Gary Benson, founder of the Sports Therapy Association, says in local club sports, many head time serve coaches still coaching where no reasonable adjustment to training load or competition expectations made for the female athletes. So a lot of coaches are still quite behind as well, especially if they're, if they're not keeping up to date. Um, are you aware, I think he's asking this to you guys, are you aware of updated information or training from sports governing bodies? There's definitely a shift in this. There's definitely more interest. It's um, They're definitely aware that they need to make 
female athlete specific strategies and approaches and you know it will come from the top down as we see that it's nearly those bigger more established governing bodies will see things first so we're seeing things like the institutes of sports are really doing a drive in UK sport um, are doing a drive and it's maybe more focusing on their perinatal population at present but it's just that fact that the female athlete is on the radar and that they're understanding that there are these nuances to considerations for the female athlete and they are not small men. The fact that there's more and more research coming out means that there's going to have to be something because when we have the research, we have a level, a level of accountability in some regards because we now know more information about this population. So we need to be doing the best evidence-based practice. But... That that's one of the main reasons we've created this resourcing course because while research is coming out, it's coming out at quite a high pace, but it's not translating into practice yet. And while that delay is there, females are suffering and getting, you know, they're not benefiting. So we're trying to make sure that people can access this so that they're getting the evidence-informed information and they can start implementing their own strategies. Fantastic. And so also it's a case of if you are, because I'm just so conscious where if you become a more evidence-based therapist chances are you're going to go against what a lot of these athletes are being told by other parties and reading elsewhere and that can, that can um include the coach so yeah again it's great to have a, a leaflet or something or a website or a course that maybe the coach might have a little look on they'll be angry first of all if it, you know particularly some kind of 60 year old track you know running guy i know what these people talking about i'll just send around blah, blah, blah. but if they've got somewhere to go along in their own time when they're at home with a pipe and slippers then they can go oh, that's interesting because <laughs> ultimately these guys want to get the best out of their athletes so everyone wins at the end don't they by getting more evidence-based yeah, absolutely 100 and I, I mean you've also got although i think i think more work needs to be done with the eis england institute of sport but they have got their smart her project which focuses heavily on menstrual health and uh, breast health and and that's um that's really important that these governing boards are starting to take this on board so as a coach or a therapist i think you can tap into certain parts of those programs um, to find out what's being said and it's all evidence-based so as a coach you should feel confident that the, the, the top of the tree is starting to really take this seriously so as therefore you should really be starting to take it seriously that's really cool we'll make sure links like that go into the show notes um which uh, will be on Podbean or on the Sports Therapy Association webpage. Right, I can't believe it's already 8.54. Where has this time oh my gone? Goodness. I'd forgotten how much I like you guys. It just time flies. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got Thanks, so much to say as well. No, I forgot. Um, so let's move on to, we've mentioned um, the um, Red S. Um, we've mentioned, what else? We're running out of we're time. Gonna, so what's another thing to talk about? Perimenopause. Well, yeah. We're going to touch on the what? The peri- <laughs> um, oh, we're going to touch yes. on perinatal population and perimenopause. Let's oh, touch on perimenopause. Okay. Because we did have a chat with that with Jenny Bowell a couple of weeks ago um, with regards particularly to tendinopathies and things like that. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to build on that. Yeah, perimenopause and athletic female. What do you guys go into on the course? Oh, well, we haven't got to that module yet. But we know what we're planning. But what you're planning. Yeah. Do you know what? We will be talking about tendinopathies, including hamstring and gluteal tendinopathies um, in particular. But we will also be talking about the telltale signs because oftentimes menopause is one of these things that people just think it's a few hot flushes, periods start to change. It's not as simple as that. And a lot of the signs are signs that women be struggling with for 
quite a long time mm-hmm. that go unnoticed and there are reason to be other things. Actually, Emma did a fantastic podcast as a guest on another podcast recently about her own sort of experience. And it was eye-opening to listen to and just how easily that people can be fobbed off because you're someone who's really informed, Emma, and yet you find it quite difficult to navigate. Really difficult. So I'm 43. I was. Yeah, I know. I don't look it. Um, But... (laughs) Oh, sorry, I thought that's what you said. Um, (laughs) um, But sadly, I was two weeks ago. Congratulations. um, Happy birthday to you. Thanks. Um, But you know what? I think part of the complexity of my symptoms was I was experiencing anxiety, severe anxiety, uh, brain fog, um, real, uh, almost feeling like I was burnt out, um, also experiencing joint pain, terrible night sweats, awful mood swings, awful mood swings, real lows, real highs. And I actually thought at the time, it was during the pandemic that I started to become symptomatic. Um, and I thought, oh, it's probably just the stress of the pandemic. We've got loads of work on. It, it must be burnout or something along those lines or, or mental health issues. And of course, there are, I'm, I'm sure some of that was a contributing factor. But then I started to think about it and I thought, hang on a minute, Emma, if you were your patient, what would you actually also be considering? hormonal influences um and so i went to the doctor nhs doctor lovely doctor fobbed me off though for potentially having perimenopausal symptoms because i was 41 at the time and in their mind i wasn't old enough to have these symptoms well you can start showing perimenopausal symptoms from the age of 35 you can actually have them younger unfortunately but that's unusual and the reality is women need to be aware that this can happen so that then they can act on it as soon as possible i think truthfully it took me a good 18 months to get a true diagnosis of what was going on and although i knew it getting that support was quite difficult and I ended up being in a very lucky position where I could go down the private route um, and oh my goodness it was such a game changer I'm on a small amount of HRT now um, and interestingly I had long-standing hamstring tendinopathy which maybe n equals one but lo and behold it feels an awful lot better since I've been on HRT so you know it's still a work in progress I'm still not a hundred percent um but but you know it's made such a difference to me and yet as Gronia said I'm a women's health physio and look how long it took me to get to that 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 uh diagnosis and so what we really want is for the athletic female course once that perimenopausal module is out so that we as healthcare professionals and coaches can help signpost women much sooner. And honestly, over the past year, there's been better resources. Louise Newson, Dr. Louise Newson, who is incredible, has created the Menno charity. She's got key celebrities like Davina McCall involved. And that is where the messaging is changing because women are talking more and more about these symptoms. And I'm damned if women are going to get to my age and live with the symptoms that I was living with. Because honestly, there were days where I was so low, I really didn't know what to do. And um, and I'm just really grateful that I was able to access something like the Newson Clinic. But women should be able to access this readily and freely on the NHS. So so, yeah, I think it's just a very important time of our lives. We need to talk about more. Again, so 18 months, you say, of moving around from consultant mm. to consultant and racking your brain. Yeah, that's no, pretty scary. Oh, it wasn't good. And also, sorry, I'm waffling now. But, no, you can um, go. I had, I had really awful, really awful breast pain. And I remember talking to Gronia about it. And I said, oh, God, you know, I'm going for a mammogram now. We're thinking I was I did actually think I had, I had lumps as well. 
and um yeah I was really really anxious about it and um and they just you know great they reassured me I'm really grateful that I had mammograms and the checks but it was all related to my change in hormones and it was actually really quite a frightening time really quite a frightening time um and I didn't want to I was scared that I was getting dementia I couldn't retain stuff it still happens from time to time but it's better and I reckon I haven't had anywhere near the symptoms that a lot of women have. So it's really important that we're, that we're helping and supporting women at this time. Amazing. Great. What was the podcast which you talked about on in case anybody wants to listen to it? Who was yeah. the... That was lovely Laurie Fauna Pelvic Health Podcast. Just but we also shit. have a very good episode on the menopause on At Your Cervix. At Your Cervix. <laughs> yeah, with oh, Michelle yeah. Lyons who talks Michelle about... Lyons. Right. Okay, it's like, it is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. But the good thing is, so people can have regular cycles, and I think that's the thing that's missed. Yes. It's often kind of considered that if someone's still having a cycle, oh, well, it's not anything to do with the menopause. So it, it you could be having actually still regular cycles, but starting to show telltale signs of these other um, presentations that are influenced by hormones. So it's just know your cycle, yes, but know your symptoms too, and the symptoms associated with that, because oftentimes if you do have some cyclical variations in my symptoms it could be that they're getting more intensified and there's that cyclical nature and you're able to report this to your healthcare provider you're able to stand with confidence that you're not imagining this because that's the other thing women going through perimenopause often feel like they're made out to be batshit crazy like basically because they just sound like they're a bit erratic or intense because no one's listening to them and they're getting these horrible sensations and just even being able to validate someone to go, do you know that's really common? And yes, it's not just about hot flushes and it's really common to have a whole array of symptoms and that can be all to do with your hormonal health. It's really worth you going and getting your hormones checked. And again, that could be exactly the message which a massage therapist could give to mum who's come in. She's come from a family with her husband or partner who's just going, you just drive me crazy. The kids as well are just staying out of the way because mum's gone crazy. Yeah. Batshit crazy, as you said. Thank you, Gwenya. Um, YouTube is now going to be an 18 for this video. And um, <laughs> now I'm joking. It's fine. We always end up with something it is. Last week it was pissing um, blood, I think, thanks to um, Leslie's just left. But um, yeah, no, perfect example again, isn't it, of, of them coming in, having that confidence with you, and you're saying, you know what? get checked out the symptoms mm. you're showing are not just because you're having to work really hard because you've got three kids at home and a husband doesn't help for example there's something else going on here yes yeah. you are low libido even like that change in libido could be a real telltale yeah. sign and gets off missed and if you're not on the right hrt that might not get sorted so you could be tri trialing hrt and think it hasn't made a difference it's actually my relationship or it's actually you know women torment themselves with all these hurdles that they jump over but unless they get the right hormone replacement therapy for their hormone variations it's not going to address the symptoms Catherine Reimer has mentioned, and these are exactly some of the things which are which are lovely to hear, I'm sure, mm -hmm. particularly for professionals like you. Catherine mentions we're having a menopause awareness webinar at work next week. The company I work for don't usually do this kind of thing, but do seem to be focusing on wealth a lot more this year. Which Fantastic. is nice to see, isn't Bloody it? 2022. Brilliant. That's awesome. <laughs> Bloody brilliant. So something. Brilliant. So something. <laughs> Talking of uh, accents, it's a shame we haven't got to talk about diastasis or how would you call it, Gwani? How would you refer to that? You know what? I was getting ripped apart before this because, you know what? I actually do a lot of work in this field. So I think, I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to stand on the ground into what I call, I call it diastasis. But diastasis. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a nice reel and I'm going to share it after this podcast because I made a reel on the variations of it because you get diastasis, diastasis, diastasis. 
Yeah, you know, there's just so oh, many variations in <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't got time to talk about diastasis or diastasis. Oh, yes, I want to talk about it. So, but it's so uh, good. usually important topic, isn't it? Oh, we could do a quick five minutes on that, I'm sure. If you have to go to bed, then fine. I mean, <laughs> the people are joining us live. You're on the podcast. We won't take more than five minutes. I'll give you a snapshot. It's basically abdominal separation, so often associated with pregnancy because it's normal for the six-pack muscles. Those um, The rectus abdominis on each, either side has a thin bit of connective tissue down the centre. It's often what gives us our definition if someone has a very strong tummy. But in pregnancy, it has a degree of give, and it's supposed to do that. It naturally resolves in about two-thirds of women, but for reasons really unknown by the scientific literature at the moment, probably genetic predisposition, but about a third of women have ongoing separation and it really creates a pendular abdomen. It's, it has huge implications for women's body image and self-confidence, but there is research that it actually has fun- functional implications too. So it affects women's ability to use their abdominal muscles and how they do sit-up actions and rotational movements. So it's really important um, that we are picking up on it and addressing it. And if you're a massage therapist and you're massaging people's abdomens, you will probably be aware and familiar of the women that you have who you almost sink into a gully in the centre or a gap. Um, and that is something that is very common and it can be something that you could sign those women to information about or uh, maybe do a, if you're a sports therapist and you do rehabilitation, it's really good to get targeted rehab and load that area to see if it can make a difference. Yeah, Hugh, and you've, you've said exactly what I was thinking. It's bound to be something which um, massage therapists are going to come across with how common it can be. And probably also uh, um, a place as well where a lot of women um, maybe feel ashamed of it, maybe stay covered up because they don't understand yeah. it or then it's somewhere where you can educate in lots and lots of different ways, not just to say, don't be ashamed of it, <laughs> you know, and you can show some great photos of um Stephanie Rothstein Bruce isn't it for example the yes, runner from yeah. Hoka and Honor and that um, and some other athletes have done the same thing um, yeah that's why it was worth mentioning and knowing again what advice to give whether there's some advice you can give within your scope or whether it's a case of directing them towards somebody who can because it doesn't have to be that way does it in, in fact you could give it before couldn't you because as, as far as I know there's exercises you can be doing during and straight after pregnancy to avoid or to delay the amount of separation or help it come back together again rather than just leaving it and feeling shameful for the rest of your life so i think the biggest thing around it is fear because there's now so much information on dr google that women are afraid of moving because they think they could do one wrong exercise and split their abdominal muscles open which simply isn't true so actually giving people the permission to move and telling them that it's, yes it's something that is um valid for them to be aware of and to get um rehabilitation or personal training or um, some element of exercise for but they don't have to fear it and um, and I think that's a huge message to get out because again it often becomes a barrier to women being physically active and as massage therapists if you're seeing someone either who's pregnant or after pregnancy who's getting up and down of the treatment couch um, you often see a domen like a pointing sort of move in shape of their bump or their tummy after pregnancy and that can be a real telltale sign so again really nice conversation opener at that stage particularly if you're still pregnant to go do you know it's really common for women to have separation in fact all women have a degree of separation towards the end of pregnancy but you should make sure you get that checked afterwards mm. Mm. Oh, she's, just, <laughs> she's just brilliant at it and i think you know if, if you ever wanted to delve deeper Gwenny's got an amazing course um, on diastasis. Oh, well, I'm sorry. But I amazing. I know. I am, I'm not very good at this normally, but I feel 
on board with marketing things. Um, so uh, I'd highly recommend that. But I just think as sports massage therapist, if I base myself on what Jenna's doing, you know, she sees women with um, C-section uh, scars. If you're any uh, therapist doing scar massage, you're in a great position to, um, to you know, pick these up and it, it can make such a difference to women because it just so horribly affects their confidence so you know if you can say oh you know what if you go and see a public health therapist or a, a, an msk physio who who specializes in this area that they can help you rehab and i just so often think that with women's health conditions we're just expected to put up and shut up with it and just accept it to be a natural pro consequence of having babies or getting older and it it just that narrative has to change and you as therapists are in a real place to to help make that change and really really change a woman's life so it's big no, no no i think that's really summed up probably what the whole month of chats we've had with industry experts like yourselves has been is massage therapists in particular people who are laying your hands down on someone mm. for an hour because they've come in in pain or discomfort fatigue and need that time and connection there's so much you can do to it's literally to change that person's life potentially and therefore all the people that person has to live with you know and it's not just that person it's it's the dynamics as well that person lives in so yeah it's pretty huge it really is as will be the list of um show notes with all the plugs from emma this, this week you send them all to me on an email i'll make sure they're all there on now, can i add one thing and yeah. because um, funny just when i'm thinking about this it's not a plug don't worry um i find as emma's mentioned about her the sports therapist or the massage therapist she works with and you know within this field we all have context but find your tribe as such find mm -hmm. people because it's actually not talk anna maria um is someone who we yes. um, are in contact with quite regularly. And you know what, we always have discussions about pelvic health related stuff. So it's nearly, a, there's a query, she remember, is this something that pelvic health physios would deal with? Yes, absolutely. Cause she's screening and picking up all this stuff and has that rapport. So um, don't be afraid to reach out to someone and ask, um, do you know what I'm thinking of telling this woman to go somewhere? Is that the right place to go to? Yeah, sure. Or no, go here. Like that's what we all work yeah. in this community together. Absolutely. And it's really exciting as well, because historically, massage therapists have seen themselves as the bottom of the food chain. And well, not even a chain, they're just disconnected. They're kind of this weird thing that happens behind closed doors, which the rest of healthcare don't want to know about. But if you are listening to the right people, for example, Sports Therapy Association podcast every Tuesday, eight o'clock UK time, then you're going to have far more <laughs> to be able to say to these healthcare professionals, well, they go, Oh my God, you're asking people these questions. That's amazing. And on a business model as well, because it is a business at the end of the day and you do need money, then you'll get people being referred mm. to you. So if they know yeah. that you're aware of these things and confident and ask these questions, I mean, how many times a pelvic health specialist is going to say, you know what you need? You need some you time. Go to this massage therapist. They'll look after you. They've got the confidence. You'll be able to continue these conversations, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a great business model there as well. As soon as you start focusing on what the patient needs, as opposed to what you've got to give them and all the kind of tools you've got. So yeah, that's no, good. It's very emotional. Very. Isn't it just? Yeah. <laughs> And it's your birthday, and you sound more bunged up as the night's going. Oh, tell me about it. It really is. Need a lem sip. Oh, dear. I don't know. I'm allowed to. I'm doing this sleep study, um, and, and I have to do this questionnaire. And on the questionnaire, it's got things like, you know, did you take any medication today? So I'm not purposely not taking any medication because I want to see what the effects of not having caffeine are. So 
I've literally been avoiding anything. It asks, have you had any cannabis today? Have you had any nicotine today? <laughs> Honestly, my life is just so boring at the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought about that this morning. If I have a lens it, I've got to tick the medication box. So no, I'm just manning it out, personing it out, sorry. And um, seeing how things are. Otherwise, it could interfere with my oh, ridiculous that's... night of sleeping with a headlamp on my head and electrodes oh, on my face. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, You're so dedicated. Okay. Two weeks into five weeks. It's fine. It won't be too Good long. for you yeah wow um but anyway so gary has kind of summed it up gary great chat thanks Emma Grenier, for sharing your expertise with oh, the stm members no, of the wider industry that's no, brilliant you guys there's so much more we could have talked about um many many other aspects but that's what the course is for isn't it mm -hmm. so if people want more information then the website is www.theathleticfemale.com www.theathleticfemale.com we'll make and sure that goes in the show notes if there's room the yeah. next few days there's still an early bird discount you'll save yourself 100 pounds if you book before the 28th of february and when you join you also join the athletic female community which means that you become part of our private facebook group which means if you have any questions we will be there to help and we'll have monthly discussions on some research papers etc etc so another reason to join Fantastic. Yeah. And that's really important as well, isn't it? If you becoming that's what more and more courses are doing these days, which is so important, is becoming part of a community where you can talk about yeah. things before and after and during. And yeah, fantastic. Great to know. We'll make sure those links um go into the show notes, like I say. And Cochrane is a great session tonight. Would love to access more information. So look forward to the notes and engaging further. Thank you all and happy birthday, Matt. The infographics, yeah, something which we'll talk to you guys about and it'd be great to know how to access them and maybe even look into creation of some more if you haven't done it yet it would be specific for maybe massage therapists who are less confident about kind of embarking on these conversations being made. let us know absolutely let us know stuff that would actually be really useful because yeah. that's what we want to do it's about breaking down the barriers so let us know the things that are missing basically um way lay i'm sorry about pronunciation maybe we should get gone to try saying that but um <laughs> Sure. <laughs> because, because I'm from Northern Ireland and, and I say they ask so I don't know how to pronounce everything why <laughs> there we go I told you way lay there you go thank you I apologise for our pronunciations but um, thank you for thanking me for the webinar and, and thank you for saying happy birthday it's very kind and Sabrina Monaghan thank you for the informative and look forward to seeing notes and being able to help and spread more awareness which is what it's all about thank you Sabrina and thank you for your comments right so that ends our month um, of, of focus on women's health. Obviously, it doesn't end the conversation. So feel free to use the comments. If you're watching YouTube, then continue the conversation in the comments in YouTube. If you um, are on Facebook, any of these groups, keep the conversation going. If you've got any questions um, you'd like to send to me, then I can forward them on to Emma and Grenier, just matt at the sta.co.uk. But if you guys are interested in really hearing for, I, can't, I don't like the expression of the horse's mouth. What's an alternative to that? hearing from the source of the information then the course the athletic female that's where you want to go and you guys are still pretty active on social media as well aren't you so where's the best place to see in instagram maybe for you emma for me instagram physio yeah. mum uk and the athletic female on instagram is uh uh help gonya because i can't it's remember the it's at the athletic female yeah female. but gonya is more heavily active on twitter I think Instagram will be my main thing in terms of um, at absolute.physio. I am at abs 
his view as well on Twitter. Um, and what I was going to say, I'm going to take down names because I'd like to know the pronunciations and names. And someone always, people always mispronounce my name. So I apologize. I actually really want to know how to pronounce. Um, and can I just say one thing? When we, we did a, re, you did a recording with Gronya the first time, you actually called her grain, Grainy. I think. No, okay. That's Jack Chu's fault. Jack Chu actually <laughs> on live, live called you Granny, Granny Donnelly. That's what I was laughing about. How dare he? I know. I'm going to give him Twitter abuse after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I still got it somewhere. It was on the first time I think he met you. It's so granny, tell me. (laughs) It's lovely. And then I was talking about it and ended up laughing about it and calling Emma, Emma Brockley. That's how I remember. It was kind of karma getting back at me. Anyway, um, (laughs) we will be back next week with a focus on CPD. We've already kind of started it this week by talking about the athletic female. Remember, there is a discount if you join up early, www.theathleticfemale.com. Next week, we are going to be chatting. Unfortunately, the two guys who are running the course can't be with us because they're very busy and they're not from the UK. But there's a dermoneuromodulation course starting in the UK for the first time with Mike Rioch and Ray Allen. Um, they're going to be hosted by James Morgan, Barefoot Physio in Exeter, and also by Mike Grice in Birmingham. Very exciting if you keep up to date with dermoneuromodulation, Diane Jacobs' um, method of laying hands on and talking more about how you're affecting the nerves and the subcutaneous level as opposed to everything underneath, because that's the first point of contact. It's going to be quite an amazing course and a great opportunity if you are interested in that sort of thing. So we'll be talking with two people um next week on the cpd and there'll be three more episodes as well talking about great cpd um chosen obviously through my own bias um in the next three weeks as well so there we go Gronier, emma thank you so much for your time thank you thank you always always fun thanks ever so much thank you i can't wait to have a reason to get you back again We'll do Women's Health Yay. again in April or May or Yay. something. We'll, we'll do it again. We can't talk about enough about it. And there's so much to it. So thank you so much for your time and giving it up for free, which people forget about. So talking what? about that. However, <laughs> oh, you didn't get that, did you? <laughs> I told Gornier to forward you the email. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so people, if you are listening to podcasts, I know I'm going 17 minutes over time. The only way you can repay us is by leaving a rating and a nice little comment because then – Quite sincerely, it means the podcast gets advertised more on Google, which means the message and the great information being put out for free by our guests gets out there more, which is what it's all about. It's all about sharing the good word and getting awareness of these topics. So if you enjoyed tonight, then please leave a rating, particularly on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next Tuesday. Gronio and Emma, don't go away. I'm just going to shut down so that all the people in the in the live lounge have to disappear. And we'll Bye. see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.